Man, I still remember the first time I heard that song. Because uh, if, if, if you don't know, it's right from Scripture. It's right from the book of Revelation. It's kind of a, another view right into heaven. And I remember the first time I heard that, all I could picture was my mom. All I could imagine was my mom who had suffered for two and a half years with cancer, watching her body just totally debilitate into pretty much just a shell of a person, and then to think that she overcame, to know that there was a new life that she had experienced, and it was all because Jesus Christ overcame, and he actually can give us the power to do the same thing. It's an amazing thing to think that the ones we love can actually be in a place that's way better than what we have down here. So then on Thursday morning, just a few days ago, first thing in the morning, I get a call from a good friend of mine here, Corey, who tells me that his mom had just passed away. And, um, and I don't know if you, many of you know Susan or not. Susan and Corey, they started coming to K2 back at our old location back in 2013. It had been three years. And I remember him telling me, it's like, man, Dave, my mom found her true relationship with Jesus here at K2 The Church. And I know that's true, man. From the interactions I had with Susan, there was such a joy and such a peace, something she hadn't had almost all of her life until the later very part of her life. And I remember one day I stepped outside. I used to try to get out in the parking lot to just greet people. And she came up and she, I asked her how she was doing. And I remember she said, man, I'm struggling today because I just retired. And she goes, and now I don't know what to do. She goes, I've been working every day. And now I, I'm not sure. And I said, well, man, come and join us. We, we have people every day, all day long. So Susan did, man. And she came in here and every week she'd come in and she'd serve us. And it was such a joy to see her beautiful face walking through that door every week. You know, it's great as she used to sit right over here. I don't know if many of you might have known Susan just because that was her place, sitting right over here on this side. But Diane, who's our office manager, told us this, that one of the things that she loved is Susan actually folded all of your programs every week. And, so, and Diane told me that one of the greatest things she loved is she'd sit right over there and she'd look across this whole room and she'd go, look it, everybody's reading the program that I got to fold. Isn't that cool? She had found her way to bless every one of you and you never even knew her. I think that's when Jesus says, if you just give a cold drink of water to somebody. And that's what Susan did. It's pretty crazy though. She didn't find out she had cancer until February 11th, two months ago. I had just talked with her. People had seen her. Her son was just picking her up to take her to chemo that day. There was nothing that we had seen that told us that she was going to pass that, that quickly. Found her laying in her bed. She was getting ready. She had her makeup bag right there, and she didn't make it. And now Susan has overcome. And so here's what we know, man. There is grieving <laughs> whenever there's death. And we'll talk about that at her gravesite on Tuesday. Because we were made for relationships that last. And so any relationship that doesn't last... It should grieve us because we were made for stuff that will last forever. And heaven is what gives us that hope. When my mom was suffering from cancer for two and a half years, Max Lucado had written this book. And uh, he had one chapter in it where he said that goodbye is one of the most common words among Christians. 
because God's always moving. He was always working, and he moves people to, to, to take his love and his place to all, all these different places in the world. But I love at the very end of the chapter, he said, but goodbye for Christians is really actually just see you in a little while. It's just see you in a little while. So that's what the Bible says, that relationships don't end, but become what they were intended to be. Even right now, the people you're sitting next to and the relationships in your life, man, we long for, strive for, and yet struggle to find really super healthy relationships here. And this is good news today because we're going to look at this whole idea of relationship, and the Bible says what you strive for and long for now is going to be yours in heaven forever. And that's also what people, as we've been looking at this book called Imagine Heaven, um, a friend of mine, John Burke, again, pastor down in Texas, Texas, where'd that come from? I'm from Michigan. <laughs> uh, but he's from, uh, uh, yeah, that place down south. And, um, but anyway, John has written this book, and, and so through this, we're actually looking at people who have stories who were clinically dead and then had an experience beyond this world and now are coming back and are sharing what they've seen. And it is fascinating, but I, I just want to say a very key thing for us is, is we're not developing what we believe about heaven based on people's stories. But John wrote this book because the overwhelming number of these stories are sharing what the Bible has been saying for 2,000 years. So could they actually provide a little bit more of a picture for us? Because the Bible tells us, as we looked at last week, to fix our eyes on what is unseen. And can these stories help us to do that? Now, a key to these near-death experiences, and John says this in his book, is they only get a glimpse, right? It's like they get to peek in the foyer because all of them say that there's a boundary that they never got to cross because if they would have crossed that, they would have never come back. And that agrees with what Scripture says. In Hebrews 9, it says, each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment. So also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. So we know that they haven't seen everything. It's just a glimpse. So we want to make sure we don't overgeneralize some of these stories and develop our, our theology of heaven on that. But one thing is clear in Scripture and everybody who has a story, and that is that these relationships are real. And there will be a great reunion for us when we get to heaven. So, man, I, I'd love just to pray because, again, what we're diving into, let's just, I just want to ask God in this moment to kind of, because we are not going to figure out heaven, let's ask him again today, just while, while we're here in his presence and through his word, to reveal this to us, you guys, because we can have hope, a great hope as we walk out today, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for not leaving us to have to try to figure things out. Thank you for your revelation to us, for your love for every person in this room. Thanks for creating us in your image, creating us to be relational beings. We need love, and we need to love. And I ask God that that very thing that you have created us for, that we would understand today that we will experience like we never have forever with you in heaven. So Lord, I just ask that your word would be clear. Help me to be concise and clear as well as we explain it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. <clears throat> so the first thing that we need to understand if we're going to talk about relationship is you and me individually. 
And what I, this, I just want to tell you, there's two kind of profound things that hit me as I was studying for this uh, message today. The first one uh, falls under this. When you get to heaven, there's actually going to be a new you. You will be who you are, but you will be new. Look at this in 1 Corinthians 15. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery, okay? And this word is going to come up a lot because the afterlife is a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will be changed. So there's going to be a new you. And, and, and when you, as we see here in a second, part of that is we're going to have a, have a new body. And I, I don't know about you, but remembering when I had kids that were preschoolers. How many of you have preschoolers right now? Okay? Should we pray again? Just for you. And, but the, the, the thing about it, when my kids were that little, the energy that they had, right? It's unbelievable. And I remember thinking, if there is a way we could just bottle that and sell it, because all of us now would be like, oh, right? If we could just shoot ourselves up with the energy that are in our children. And, and, and it's, it's the same. My kids now, they're like 11, 13, and 15, and Susie and I, we went to um, Antelope Island, and I've never been there. 13 years, finally went. And we climbed, what is it called? I put in here, Frary Peak. How many of you have climbed Frary Peak? Okay, I'm the only one who's climbed. Okay, two, two, three, Okay. You guys need to go. It's beautiful, isn't it? It is a great hike. But I want to tell you, it's a hike. And I'd be huffing and puffing, and at any moment, Caleb and Ashlyn, whenever they felt like it, could just start sprinting up the mountain. And there's something in that where you just go, man, I'd love to have that. Well, listen to this story. Marv Bestman, he's a retired bank president. He had surgery at the University of Michigan Medical Center to remove a rare pancreatic tumor. And here was his talk about his near-death experience. He said, The angels gathered me in their arms, and we began to ascend on a quick journey that felt light and smooth through the bluest of blue skies. I was deposited on solid ground in front of a monumental gate. And no, I don't remember it being pearly. <laughs> Standing in a short line of people, I observed the other 35 or so heavenly travelers, people of all nationalities. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But some of you got totally distracted right there because you just heard that there's going to be lines in heaven. <laughs> and you're like, hold, hold, hold on, no, no, no. <laughs> right? <laughs> that is hell on earth. Okay. <laughs> Marv goes on, he says, some were dressed in what I thought were probably the native costumes of their lands. One man carried a baby in his arms. I saw color bursts that lit up the sky way beyond the northern lights that I had seen once on a trip to Alaska. Simply glorious. The music I heard was incomparable to anything that I had ever heard before. My old geezer body felt young and strong and fantastic. The aches and pains and limitations of age were just gone. And I felt like a teenager again, only better. Doesn't that sound good? You're going to have a new body. First Corinthians says it'll be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that's sown perishable is raised imperishable. It's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It's sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. To think that my mom, as she was disintegrating in her bed, boom, gets a new body. 
That's a beautiful thing. But here's what's cool. I'm excited about that. I don't know what this, everything, like Paul said, the heavenly body is so much more glorious than the one we have now. But here's the thing, one of the profound things that hit me. Not only am I going to get a new body and so are you, I'm going to be new. I'm going to be me like I've never been before. There's a story in here. And by the way, I want to encourage you to read this if, and buy this. By the way, they sold out last week and we couldn't get them all in. There will be more books next, next Sunday, okay? But, um, but there's a story in here of a girl named Crystal. Crystal had a, a horrific um, childhood. You read the story and it just makes your heart ache what she went through. And then when she was 33 years old, she went in for, uh, to the hospital for pancreatitis and, and during uh, complications uh, through the pro in the surgery, she coded and she was considered dead. So here, here's her story. I don't remember anything that happened in that room after I told my mother I loved her and closed my eyes and drifted off. The next thing I remember is waking up in heaven with God. Unlike on earth, where I was plagued by doubts and fears in heaven, there was nothing but absolute certainty about who I was. This was a far more complete representation of my spirit and my heart and my being than was ever possible on earth. A far deeper self-awareness than the collection of hopes and fears and dreams and scars that defined my life on earth. I was flooded with self-knowledge, and all the junk that cluttered my identity on earth instantly fell away, revealing for the first time ever the real me. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, God says in Jeremiah 1.5, and now I knew myself. Imagine that. The first person we meet in heaven is ourselves. The first person you are ever going to meet is yourself. What does that mean? Well, as I looked at this, 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says this. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Now, I probably should have used a different translation because in the actual Greek language, it says, we re, we, we, for now, we only see dimly. We see darkly. So back in that age, their mirrors were not like our mirrors, right? When they looked into a mirror, it was, it was dim. It was dark. You couldn't quite see the full image. So it says, now, we see only reflection as in a mirror. But then, we shall see face to face. Now I know in part but then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. What's going to happen, you guys? This is so profound to me. Jesus told us that this is eternal life, that you could know the one true God and Jesus whom he sent. And eternal life happens now. God, through Christ, has made it possible that you can actually know God now. But I've known God for 30 years, and if I get 30 more, after 60 years of knowing him on this planet, I apparently, I'm still only going to know him dimly. It's still going to be dark. I'm not going to fully get it. Now I know in part. And so because I only understand myself in part, here's what I'm struggling with. And so are all of us. We're struggling because with, with the fact once we see him, sorry, we're going to understand this, that we are of inestimable value. Every one of us in this room, every human being on the planet, 
is trying to know at their deepest being that I matter and that I'm loved and that I'm valued. But the problem is now, the reason we see it dimly is because we're loved and we're not loved. We're loved by some, but we're not loved by others. And even those that love us, love us sometimes and sometimes they don't. We are constantly surrounded by I'm only valued if I perform at a certain level or if I look a certain way. And because of that, we look at ourselves no matter what good self-esteem you might have. It's still always based on this performance. But here's what's crazy. When we leave this planet and we finally get to see God face to face, the Bible says, then we will know fully, just as we are fully known. And I want to tell you, man, this is the part that freaks me out. That you and I are going to stand before God, and he's going to immediately, there's nothing hidden in heaven. He's going to see everything. Now, does that freak anybody else out? And yet, what the Bible says is, and what these stories say, is as soon as your whole life is exposed, all you feel is loved. And when that happens, we finally, for the first time, know that we are absolutely, deeply, perfectly, forever loved. No matter what. And when that happens, you guys, guess what? It changes you. Because no longer are you trying to prove anything. No longer are you feeling shame because you're not this or proud because you are that. You are finally laid bare before God and he looks at you and all he communicates is you are loved. And here's what's cool. In heaven, everybody's going to know that. Everybody's going to know that they're fully loved. And so here's what happens. All of our defenses, because every one of us walked in here with what? Every one of us walks in with masks on. Because I have to try to prove, I have to put out, I have to project a person that I know in this culture, in this society, will actually accept me. But once we're there, it's like that mask gets ripped off and you're loved. And you're loved. And you're loved. And so now there's this community of people. And there's no hiding. There's no judging. There's no shame. Nobody's higher than anybody else. It's unbelievable. It is going to be a new deal. So in 1 John 3, it says this. Dear friends, now we are children of God. As soon as you receive Christ, you become a child of God. That's what you are. I am that right now. But what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. So guys, listen to this for a second. If I become like Christ, do you know what that means? I'm going to love every one of you perfectly. If you get to heaven and enter the kingdom of God, you're going to love every person perfectly. Why? Can you keep that up there? Sorry? Because when we see him and his love invades our soul perfectly, we become like Christ. 
you will be new. You'll still have your personality. God loves who he made you. It's just going to be a person filled with holy love. Anybody want that? Can you imagine walking in and experiencing that? That's what's going to happen. I love what Crystal says. She closed off. She says, the hardest thing for me is finding the words to fully describe what I experienced in heaven because there are no human words that even come close. I grasp at words like beautiful and brilliant and amazing, but they are wildly inadequate. What I experienced in heaven was so real, so lucid, so utterly intense. It made my experiences on earth seem hazy and out of focus, as if heaven is the reality and life as we know it is just a dream. By the way, that's what the Bible says. The Bible says that this is a shadow of the reality that's to come. So what that means is everything we're experiencing down here is actually dim. Every greatest pleasure you've had is just a taste of a feast that's waiting us in heaven. It's unbelievable. She goes, it was a feeling of absolute purity and perfection, of something completely unblemished and unbroken, of being immersed in and filled. It filled me with the kind of peace and assurance I'd never known on earth. It was like being bathed in love. It was a brightness I didn't just see, but I felt it, and it felt familiar like something I remembered or even recognized. The best way I can put it was this. I was home. I was home. If you were here last week, we learned that God actually fashioned us, created us for that. We're pilgrims here. We're on a journey. This is not our home. That's our home. So 1 Peter 3.18 says, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He took away the selfishness that makes us not love each other and makes us not follow God. And he never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. That's our home. That's why John, Jesus said this. It's a great passage again. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. See, Jesus wants nothing but perfect relationship with you. But here's the cool thing. His Father's house has how many rooms? Many. There's one with my name on it. Sweet. There's one with your name on it. It's a place of relationship. So, let's talk about that. There will be a new you. A perfect, filled with love you. Which means they're going to have a new family, you guys. Look at this. Hebrews chapter 2. Let's talk about this family we're going to have in heaven. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory... It was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation, which is Jesus, perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. And then he says, so Jesus is not ashamed to call you brothers and sisters. How's that sound? There's a new family here. Now, um, I just, I want to share with you then one story. And it's Don, his guy's name is Don Piper. Some of you may have seen, I don't know if you saw the movie, it was 90 Minutes in Heaven was the name of the movie. Seven million people bought his book. But basically you're going to hear the story here. Don was hit by an 18-wheeler. He was dead for 90 minutes. There was a man 
as he was already pronounced dead, this guy asked if he could hop in the car and actually pray for him. He was praying for Don, and then he started singing. And while he was singing, all of a sudden, Don started singing. He yells out and he goes, the dead man singing! <laughs> and so this is Don's story. Let's watch this and get a glimpse into heaven about our relationships. Take it, I mean, you were run over by an 18-wheeler. I was. I was. Uh, over in East Texas, I was on my way home from a Bible study or a pastor's conference to do a Bible study in Alvin, south of Houston. So I was about 130 miles away. It was a cold, rainy January day, and I got in the car. I'm headed home. I'm headed to my church. And uh, I was on a bridge I'd never been on before. And uh, before I got off the bridge, an 18-wheeler crossed the center stripe and hit me head on. Probably 110 miles an hour of impact. Um, I was killed instantly, uh, blunt force trauma, uh, brain damage, impaled on the steering wheel, uh, the dashboard collapsed on my legs, my right leg broken at the knee and the left leg was severed just above the knee, four and a half inches of femur was ejected from the car and never found. I put my hand up when the truck was coming for me and at the moment the truck ran over me and it took my left arm into the back seat of the car and from here forward was lying on the back seat of the car. So, horrific accident. Um, there was nothing that could have been done to save me. Uh, they tried, met the paramedics. There were two other vehicles struck after my car. Everyone else was fine. So, four paramedics worked on me. They did everything they could to try to revive me. And in spite of the best efforts, they were unsuccessful. So, the body was covered up with a tarp. So they somebody, declared you dead. They, they declared me dead, all four of them. And they're waiting for a medical examiner to come and do the paperwork so the body can be transported for an autopsy, do an investigation about what happened to me. But the moment the truck struck me, uh, I was absent from the body. That was just an earth suit like the one you're sitting in right now. Um, I was in heaven. Uh, I was at one of the gates of heaven, surrounded by people I had known and loved in this life who had preceded me in death. And we were having a spectacular time. I wasn't even remotely interested about what's happening back down on the bridge. There were a lot of things happening on the bridge, but I was having the greatest reunion you could possibly imagine. So, I mean, these are real people, people you knew. Who'd you see, what they look like? Yeah, I started with my grandfather. Uh, he was standing there at the gate. Uh, facing me and uh, he looked great. I mean last time I saw him he did not look great. Uh, he had a heart attack and died. I was with him when he had the heart attack and um, it was just heartbreaking to, to, to be with him and watch him die, pass away, very close to him. I tell people all the time I, I've broken virtually every bone in my body and, um, and, it, and it hurt but nothing hurts like a broken heart. And when he died, it broke my heart. A lot of you have a broken heart. I've met a lot today who are struggling with that. Met a lady just now, husband died three days ago. Oh. So a lot of you have broken hearts. Well, I understand what that it feels, but now I'm at the gate, and here's my grandfather standing in front of me, and he looks really, really good. If you want to look really, really good, heaven is where you want to be. <laughs> I mean, you look nice now, but he, he was even missing, because of his life, a very hard labor. He, he was missing three fingers on one hand and two on the other. And he reached out to me and spoke verbally. 
And he said, welcome home, Donnie. Those were his words to me. That's, that's what he used to call me here on earth, Donnie. And I looked out at the hands he used to hold me when I was a little boy. And all of his fingers were there. I'd never seen them before. He was really kind of ageless. He was perfect. Fully recognizable as, as himself, but in a beautiful and perfect kind of way. I, he obviously knew I was coming. Everybody did. Uh, you don't sneak up on heaven. Everybody up there knows it's coming. <laughs> uh, well, of course they do. Because the Bible says when we give our heart to Jesus, when we trust Christ as Savior, our name is automatically inscribed on a registration book up there called the Book of Life, the actual Lamb's Book of Life. So you, you want your name in this book. And we're, we're taking reservations this morning, this afternoon. <laughs> um, I'm serious. I mean, I, if you can get killed on, on the way to church to teach a Bible study, you can get killed at any moment. Mm. This is urgent. I was just 38. So here's Papa. My great-grandmother was beside him. She was a victim of osteoporosis. She was all slumped over in this life. I know it must have been painful. I never heard her complain about it. She wasn't missing fingers like Papa. She was missing teeth. She didn't have any teeth. Well, she had some, but they were what she called store-bought teeth. They were, <laughs> they were dentures. She did not like them. She did not wear them often, except to church on Sunday mornings. Um, my great-grandmother, Hattie, smiled at me. She was a good six inches taller at the gates of heaven because she was standing upright. And, of course, the most glorious thing happened when she saw me. She smiled at me, and it was the first time I ever saw her real smile. So everybody there was perfect. There's only one person in heaven with scars, and that's Jesus Christ, to remind us of how we got there. But none of those other people, you, I mean, you should have seen me back on earth. I mean, I look like I fell in a farm implement from the neck down. I've had 34 major surgeries to put me back together. I was told I would never walk again. Uh, they were able to reattach the leg. I was told that this arm would just hang by my side if they were able to put it back on. But this is the arm, and this is my leg. Wow. So I believe God is still in the miracle business. But in heaven, I had no scars on me. That was perfect. You won't either inside or out. Well, what was that like? What, what did you feel like in your body? What did it feel like? You said your grandfather ended up hugging you. What, what does that feel like? Uh, what was uh, that? Unspeakable joy. Uh, there really aren't any words for it. One of the most frustrating things about talking about heaven is we don't have earthly words to do it justice. But it was a great reunion. Papa knew I was coming. He embraced me. What a warm embrace that was. I mean, the last, really, literally, the last time I saw him, he was in a coffin. And I was, we were all devastated. Now he's perfect and blissful and joyful. And, and all these people, aunts, uncles, uh, some friends from high school who had died in tragic accidents themselves were over here to the side of me. My next door neighbor, Miss Norris, was over here. There were teachers there of a wide variety of people such a variety that I was thinking to myself when I saw them, they didn't even know each other back here on earth. What would have brought them together to meet me at the gate? And I know. I had several years to lay in a hospital bed to think about it. They all helped me get there. Hmm. These are the people who took me to church when I was a little boy, didn't have any other way to go because my parents didn't go to church. Somebody had to take me. Miss Norris took me. Your next Mike, one. Mike, my friend from high school that was killed when he was 18, he took me. Mm. He took me to church because I didn't have a driver's license yet. 
that he'd been going since he was a little boy and he wanted to make sure I got to go too. They met me at the gates. These are people who gave me Bibles. These are people who told me, well, they lived a Christian life in front of me so I knew how that life was supposed to be lived. So they influenced me for Christ. So I'm laying there in the hospital bed when I finally got to the point where I could think and I thought to myself, why do the... These are the people who helped me get there. And then I asked the question that I've asked everybody since. Who are you going to greet? Mm. Who's going to be there because of you? And I really, I asked God as I tried to recover, why you sent me back for this? Because I was, I was really in horrible shape physically, emotionally. Yeah, I mean, it was yeah, all the year, ways two, you can. Three years of yeah, three years before I was fully. And you, you still recover from stuff. Yeah, I still today. have a lot of stuff that doesn't work very well. But you know, I got hit by a truck, um, so I'm, <laughs> you know. But I, you know, I can get from point A to point B. Yeah. I, I still answer the bell when it rings. Um, and I'm motivated by helping people understand that heaven is a real place and Jesus is the way to the place. And that you can have a more meaningful life here even if something terrible has happened to you. You can be bitter about it or you can be better by devoting your circumstances to blessing someone else. Mm. I spent about 30 minutes or 20 minutes with the Breedlove family just a few moments ago. Mm. And uh, we're talking about that. We're talking about uh, being in Virginia and having a bunch of parents uh, from Virginia show up to a speaking meeting like this. And all of their kids have been killed on the campus of Virginia Tech University. And they came to tell me that they had decided to form scholarships in the names of all their children in their memory couldn't afford to go to college, could now go to school, and they found their new normal. And uh, everyone does, you know. Either that or you'll just be bitter for the rest of your life because of your circumstances. Or you can decide, and it's a decision that won't come naturally. I am not going to be defeated by this. I'm going to use this. I, I want to put this behind me, but God wants to put it in front of me. And this is what he wants to use to bless other people. So it's the difference between this and this. So let's look at what family is going to be like in heaven. I think one of the first questions we all have is what's, going to, what's it going to be like for me with my immediate family? Right? What's it going to be like for me with Susie and with my children? So let's look at the immediate family. In the Bible, some guys, some religious guys were trying to trap Jesus, so they came up to him and they said, hey, what happens if a woman marries one guy, he dies, she marries another guy, eventually marries seven different guys? And she says, so which one will be her husband in heaven? And Jesus replied by saying, you are in error because you don't know scripture or the power of God. And then in Luke chapter 20, up here on the screen, Jesus replied, the people of this age, talking about right now, the people of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of taking part in the age to come and in the resurrection from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage. And they can no longer die, for they are like the angels. They are God's children, since they are children of the resurrection. Now notice, Jesus did not say that we won't be with our spouse or loved ones. What he's revealing about the age to come is that there will be one new family. Remember what we just read? He made us brothers and sisters. 
We have a father, and we're a family. And there also is one big wedding. One major marriage that happens in heaven. We'll get to that in just a second. But that doesn't mean that our family relationships will be less special or less close in eternity. To be honest with you, I think my relationship with Susie in heaven is going to be closer and deeper than it is even now. I think that's true because you don't lose your memory in heaven. You actually have your memory. So I have more shared experience with Susie than anybody else on this planet. There's something special that we share. And I think once we get in heaven, we're still going to share something special. But what Jesus is revealing to us is as much as Susie is special to me now and my marriage that I have with her now, heaven is so much greater that we can't grasp it. I thought C.S. Lewis had a great example trying to help us to understand our own present understanding about the new age to come. He said it's, it's kind of like trying to tell a small, let's say, first grade boy, right, that the greatest pleasure he's ever going to have is falling in love with a woman. <laughs> and he goes, so does that include chocolate? <laughs> and then you re reply, well, no. Well, then he would go, well, then it can't be that good, <laughs> right? Because when you're a six-year-old boy, girls are like, ew, right? You can't imagine. But chocolate is all that you can understand. He doesn't know that there's something greater. So here's my best shot at trying to understand what is in another age beyond my ability. But here's what we know. Look at this, Ephesians chapter 1, 9 and 10. God has made known to us the mystery of his, there it is the word again, mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ. The reason Christ came is to put into effect, look at this, when the times reach their fulfillment. So when Jesus comes again and history is concluded and time reaches his fulfillment, what is God's will? Look at this. To bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. So somehow, right now, we can't, we can't get along with a handful of people. But in the time of its fullness, through Christ, in the kingdom of God, it's going to be absolute, perfect unity. So what that means is, remember, I'm going to be fully known and fully loved, and so are you. It's going to totally wipe out all my defenses, all of my shame. I am going to become like Christ and therefore have the ability to love everyone. And you, if you are born again with the Spirit of God, you are going to be changed and filled with his love and become like Christ. And you're going to love everyone. So somehow, I've often thought about this, right? We're going to talk about this next week, so I can't get into it. But right now, my mom, where is she? There is a present heaven where she is. She's with him. But not until the culmination of history does the eternal heaven take place. We'll get into this more. And what that is, is heaven and earth finally come back together. So we're going to be on earth, but it's going to be in perfection. And one of the things I always think about is, I'll be wandering around in the fullness of time, and every person I see is going to love me. They're going to know me, and they're going to, everybody's going to love me. 
Now, I'll be honest with you. I was thinking about that, and it feels a little creepy. <laughs> like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Just like a little boy thinking about falling in love. It's kind of creepy because we can't. But think about this. In heaven, everybody is going to love. Now, here's what I know. So, yes, Susie and I will have a, I think we're going to have a special relationship. But I am somehow going to love all of you perfectly. And I'm going to love Susie perfectly. Because we're going to be changed. That's a new family, man. It's going to be amazing. Now, there is a new marriage. Listen to this in Revelation 19, talking about what's going to happen. Then I heard what sounded like great multitude, like a roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and the bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And then he added, these are the true words of God. Jesus himself uses, he said, the kingdom of God is like a wedding. It's a wedding. But what is, right? So when I married Suze, what happened? It says that God takes two and does what? Makes them one. So somehow I am united with Susie. But what is Jesus going to do with all of us? He's going to unite us. So look at this, Ephesians chapter 5. For he's, Paul's trying to talk about marriage. And he says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and he'll be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. See, what's going to happen in heaven is we are finally all going to be made one with him. Now, I, I'm telling you, it's, it's an unbelievable, beautiful, beyond this world imaginable thought. But that's what's going to happen. Now, just real quick as I close, let's talk about our extended family. It's not just about Susie and my kids. We're going to have an extended family. Number one, the church. The church is the family, brothers and sisters. Paul says this, he goes, For what is our hope, our joy, or our crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? What's going to be the most glorious thing, my crown? What am I going to glory in in heaven? You. Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and our joy. You guys, you know this. Let me just remind you. When you get to heaven, the only thing you're going to care about is who's there with you. You're going to care less about your house and your car and your stuff and everything we spend so much time. The only thing that's going to matter to us, our crown and our joy, our glory, is going to be that other people are with us in heaven. That's our extended family. And then the whole world, look at this. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe, language, and people, and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. How fun is that? <laughs> like heaven is going to be people from all over the world, all types of peoples, all types of cultures. And when we're together, we're going to be able to learn from them. Is that exciting? Anybody else love to travel? I mean, I can't wait to hang out with people and talk to them and learn from their experiences while they were here on this earth. And then this is maybe the coolest one. 
Our extended family is going to be throughout history. Look at this, what Jesus says. I say to you that many will come from east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. How cool is that? I mean, think about this. Who is it that you would love to have dinner with, have a cappuccino with in heaven? I would just love to go, okay, Moses, come here just real quick, right? <laughs> you got an hour, man. Let's just have a little latte here. And tell me about that going through the Red Sea thing. Come on, David. Show me how you slung that. And hit, I mean, Abraham Lincoln, can we just sit and chat? How in the world did you endure through that? Mother Teresa, tell me how you love those people. <laughs> this is going to be fun. That's what's going to be our heaven. It's true. So let me close. How should that change your perspective? Knowing that heaven is going to be relational. Number one, I hope that you have a new view of yourself. God does not want you to wait until heaven to know that you're loved. That's why he sent Jesus. The Bible tells us that now we know what love is because Jesus Christ came down and he gave his life for you. He didn't ask you to clean yourself up. He didn't ask you to become religious. He said, please stop. He said, I want you to come to me exactly as you are. The only person I love is the person you are. And I will die for you. I will take away your sin and fill you with your spirit so you can be with me. And God wants every one of us to be able to look into the mirror and have a new perspective of who we are. The kingdom of God would come now in your heart. Secondly, we really need to see the church with a new eyes, you guys. We walk in here every Sunday, and most of us don't even say boo to the people around us. And yet our reality is I'm right now, if you're part of the church, I am filled with the Spirit of God. His love has been poured into my heart for you. And your, his love has been poured into your heart for every one of us. We should gather on Sundays, and this should be the most joyous, most loving, most accepting, most beautiful place that exists on a Sunday morning. We need to see each other differently because we're going to love each other perfectly forever. And what the Bible is saying is, then start now. We need to be the answer to Jesus' prayer. Lord, may your kingdom come on earth and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what the church should be, a place of love and acceptance of seeing the beauty in every person here. Anybody up for that? Okay, four of you. <laughs> Seriously. That's what we get to taste. And you know what, what Jesus said? If we would love each other like that, then the rest of the world would be drawn to Jesus. It's love, you guys. It's all about love. And then lastly, it gives us a new perspective for the world. I love what Don Piper said. Who are you going to welcome into heaven? Who's going to walk into heaven one day because you were the one who loved them and showed them and shared with them about Jesus? I love this, man. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need to. In the same way I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. If there's 99 of us in here who are good to go and he already knows you're his kids, he loves you, man. He's, we're, you're, we're good. He's like, it's that guy right there who doesn't know. 
And if that one person would repent, how can you guys say, all of heaven throws a party? That's unbelievable. Why? Because every person matters to God. And I want to tell you guys, K2, if you're going to be a part of this church, man, we moved out here from, U, from Michigan to Utah because we wanted every person in the state to get a chance to take one step closer to God. That's why we're here, okay? It should change our perspective. So, let's close with this song. It's a beautiful song. It's going to give you a great chance. I just want you to sit. You don't need to stand. Just sit and reflect on these beautiful words. I think it'll help you imagine what your reunion will be like with the people that you love. And while we listen, we're going to take our offering. And I want to tell you guys, okay, so again, so if you're visiting with us, if you don't, you know, if you're not a Christian, you're just hanging out here at K2, man, you are so welcome just to be our guest. But I want to tell you guys, for every one of us in here that follows Christ, who's been transformed by Christ, this offering back to God, to give him back what's his, I think this is why Jesus said, don't lay up treasure for yourself on earth. <laughs> don't use all your money on stuff that's just going to fade away. Give it back to me and let me use it to draw more and more people into heaven. Lay up your treasure in heaven. You're going to be so glad that you did. So let's joyfully and willfully give back to God what he's given to us so that his message can go out to every person who needs to hear it. And then enjoy the song and relish in your reunion one day with those you love.